precious Bible tonight to the gospel according to John, gospel according to John, and we're going to look in chapter 21, and I want to give a little thought tonight that I hope will be helpful. Of course, we get to the very last book of, the very last chapter of this book, it's a very important chapter, and um, there's a reason I want to just speak on it tonight, really focus in on the first part of it, and, um, but we're going to read the whole chapter. The gospel according to John. How many of you appreciate love that you have a Bible? Amen. And we ought to. It's God's word. Infallible, inerrant, perfect. The words of God. And um, this is a true event. It happened exactly the way it's recorded here. So let's look into it. And I'd like for your mind's eye to be opened up as you read scripture. Try to put yourself there. Understand all that's went on. The Lord Jesus Christ has been crucified. And by the way, that was not a pretty picture. And now we know that he's risen from the dead. He has shown himself to Mary Magdalene. He has shown himself to his other disciples. This, the Bible says here in this chapter that he had shown himself the third. This is the third time that he has showed himself to disciples since he raised from the dead. So you could imagine in the mind of all the disciples what all was going on. A very confusing time to them. But one thing that was not confusing was the three and a half years that they spent with the Lord Jesus Christ prior to him being crucified. So I'd like for you to keep that in mind as we read the scripture. Let's look in John chapter 21 verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise... Showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, which would be John, saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came into a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. As soon then, I want you to notice this scene now. I want you to let you, this is where I want your mind's eye to come to life now. Here they are. They're coming in. They've got all these fish. Peter's on his way first. 
And when they get to the land, there's a scene there prepared for them by the Lord Jesus. And what's amazing to me is God records this scene for us to see it. The Bible says, as soon as they would come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring in the fish which ye have now caught. Now that's interesting. Didn't need the fish. He had already had fish prepared. There was plenty there. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land full of great fishes, and hundred and fifty and three, and for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then cometh, and taketh bread, and giveth them, and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Notice the word, notice the language. Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Jesus speaking to Peter says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. Then Peter, turning about, Seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved, by the way, that's John, following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? <laughs> Verse 22. Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that? To thee, follow thou me. Now, I'm going to pray. Have you ever been rebuked by scripture? I was sitting in my office years ago before Brother Eddie Goddard passed away. And many of you heard Brother Eddie Goddard. Brother Eddie Goddard pastored the great uh, Soul Valley Baptist Church in Raynell, West Virginia. At one time, they run probably close to 900 people. And if you know that in the little small town of Raynell, West Virginia, that was quite an amazing thing. Brother Don knows where it's at. He's been there. That's amazing. The brother Eddie had such a great work there. And before he died, he was here preaching a few times. And one day he was in my office. And we were sitting in there talking. And I'll never forget this. We were sitting in there talking. And I was talking to Brother Eddie. And I asked him a question about someone. 
And I thought he was going to answer the question. He said, Brother Mark, he said, I'd like for you to turn to the Gospel of John chapter 21. And he said, I want you to read verse 22 to me. And I started reading it and I said, Jesus saith unto him, if I will be that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? And Eddie looked at me and he said, what is that to thee? Got it, Brother Eddie. None of my business. By the way, we ought to say that phrase to a lot of things that we try to find out. What is it to thee? It's none of your business. And he said, here's what you need to worry about. Instead of trying to figure out what he's going to do, you better get busy what you're going to do. He said, follow me. Now, the Lord Jesus had a way of rebuking people, didn't he? Eddie Goddard did too. I've never forgotten that. And by the way, it's made me very careful to ever ask questions again. But that's not what I want to speak on tonight. The resurrection, when you think about the one, the one that leaned on Jesus' bosom, the one whom Jesus loved, the one who asked who would betray you at the Lord's Supper, the one was John. And when you think about John and you read everything about the account of the resurrection with John, the resurrection was really a matter of the mind to John. When you would really take into account Mary Magdalene, it, you know, she was one of the ladies that came to the sepulcher and found that the Lord Jesus was gone. And if you were to look at really and just kind of just study that out a little bit, I believe you would find that to Mary Magdalene, the resurrection was a matter of the heart. Didymus is talked about here. That's Thomas. We say he's doubting Thomas. And if he's pictured in this, he's here. But if you was to read everything and there's not much about Thomas, but really he was the one that said, I'm not going to believe until I see the Lord with my eyes. And really, if you was to think about in context of Thomas, you would really have to think that the resurrection was really a matter of the will because he said, I'm not going to believe. So it was a matter of the will, but to Peter, I believe that the resurrection was a matter of the conscience to him. Now, let, now stay with me. I want you to notice the Lord Jesus does everything perfectly and everything is in order with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want you to know when we come on this scene in John chapter 21, there's no coincidence that he has a scene set for the disciples. He knows who's out there fishing. They don't know who he is at first, but he knows exactly who they are. They don't know exactly where he is, but they know it. He knows exactly where they are and so everything he did was on purpose this night. And as I've studied this and looked at this, really something popped out at me because it's something that I had to really think about a little while because I realized how important this is. And if you just read this passage, there's so many things that we could talk about, but I'm going to try to cover a few things. But really, I want you to notice something here that I believe the scene was set. The Lord Jesus did it on purpose. And I believe, number one, he was trying to recall Peter's failure. Now stay with me. The Lord Jesus Christ does not harp on our failures. The Lord Jesus Christ very clearly tells us that if we've sinned, if we will confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But we also know 
that the Lord Jesus knows all things. He knew exactly where Peter was. And I believe he wanted to deal with Peter in a way this night that here's the message. He would never be the same. That's the message. Because after this night, Peter was never the same. Never the same. Why? I believe, number one, he recalled Peter's failure. Now, stay with me. Let's just look at this. Let's let our mind's eye come to life here. Everything about this scene quickened John's conscience. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? Well, let's just take the fire of coals. The Bible very clearly says when they got to the shore that Jesus Christ already had a fire there with coals. Now you say, Pastor, why is that so important? Well, I want to tell you something. The moment Peter seen that fire, the moment he seen those coals, it took him back to just a few nights before when he was warming his hands by the fire and he, he absolutely denied the Lord. Don't you think there wasn't an object lesson the moment he seen that fire? It took him back. And y'all know what I'm talking about. You know when you've been in a place, you've been doing things, you've had something in your life, and you know there's something there that wasn't right. God will sometimes quicken your conscience by your failure because of something you see. I believe this scene this night was on purpose. I believe that God was trying to quicken his conscience. I believe God was trying to recall Peter's failure so that he would never be the same. Not to harp on his failure, but for him to learn from his failure. The fire of coals, the fire itself. Here's something else that stuck out, just struck me. He used his old name. He spoke to him every time he spoke. He did not call him Peter. Remember, Peter is the rock. Now he goes back to his old name. And look, look how he speaks to him. He says in verse 15, So when they had died, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Why nobody else? Why did he single out Simon Peter? And by the way, the Bible says he spoke to Simon Peter. But then if you notice how the Lord referred to him, he used the word Simon, son of Jonas. I don't know about you, but I'm going to tell you something right now. That took Peter back. He remembered the conversation he had with the Lord. He asked the Peter, whom do you say that I am? You are the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, I want you to know that recalled Peter's failure in the fact that he started using, referencing his old name. Here's something else I thought interesting. We've talked about it before. I know you've heard this. But why did he ask Peter three times if he loved him? Now you tell me. The night that he denied the Lord, how many times did he deny him? Don't think for a minute the Lord wasn't trying to recall Peter's failure. Not to make him ashamed. Not to make him feel bad. He was trying to recall his future because he wanted to change his life. And he knew that if he did not view those failures the way he should view them, he would never be able to reshape Peter's future. And by the way, here's the application to all of us. Your failures should not define you. But I'm going to tell you something right now. Your failures should change you. My failures should change me, should motivate me not to be back there. I've heard a message years ago and remember the ashes. We need to remember the ashes. Sin brings ashes. 
Sin brings death. Are y'all with me? I don't care how old it is, how new it is. I'm telling you right now, it brings death. There are failures and God says, I don't want you. I want you to know your sins have been forgiven. But I want you to know, Peter, you have failed me. I'm trying to strike your conscience because I want you to not let your failures define you. But I also don't want you to minimize your failures so you'll continue them. There's no other reason for this scene to be so adequately explained and shown here. Three times he asked him, you love me, you love me, you love me. I'll tell you right now, that was a great sermon because Peter knew how many times he had denied him. He was trying to quicken the conscience of Peter. By the way, here's why, because so oftentimes we ignore our conscience. We ignore it. We pass it off. We put, it, we put it on the background and say, oh, it's okay for now. But see, here's what happens. Your failure always shows up later. Quicken his conscience. Why? By the fire of coals, the fire. It, it took him right back to that courtyard when he was warming his hands by the fire. And he denied the Lord. I'm going to guarantee his conscience was quick. I can guarantee you, the minute he used his old name and said, Simon, son of Jonas, that was a sermon within itself. It, it quickened Peter's conscience. Then when he used the repeated challenge, the Bible says that Peter even got upset. He was grieved because he asked him three times. I'm going to tell you right now why he got grieved. Because he said, the Lord's bringing my past back up. But not for the same reason many times we bring people's past up. Then here's another one that I thought. The question of the fish. Now, look at it here in verse 10. I thought this was interesting. Jesus said to them, bring of the fish which you have now caught. Now, I thought that's interesting because he didn't need the fish. He already had fish prepared. And he didn't have time to, from the time they got those fish in the lake, doesn't say anything about it. They skinned them, cleaned them, cooked them. Everything the Lord had already prepared. But I thought this interesting because we find in the beginning of the chapter that Peter said in verse 3, I go a fishing. But here's, he went the wrong kind of fishing. See, the Lord had done told him, I've called you to be fisher of men. By the way, even though Peter was discouraged, Peter denied the Lord. I'm going to tell you what Peter did. He backslid on God. He still had a job that God had called him to do. And you know what? His influence caused all the other disciples to go fishing with him. So when the Lord said, hey, bring those fish that you've caught. I could imagine Peter thought, man, I've caught these fish, but I should have been catching souls. And then I know there's some kind of controversy here. I, I asked Brother Mike what he thought about it. And I could ask you what you think about it. And we might all disagree. It doesn't matter. But the Lord Jesus asked the first time he asked, do you love these more than me? Lovest thou more than these? Now, some people say, well, he was asking, do you love me more than these disciples? I personally believe that he was asking him, do you love me more than the fish? Than the act of what you've always done, what you've always went back to. This was what you did. I truly believe the Lord was asking him, do you love me more than these? And he was pointing to the fish on the coals or maybe even the fish that they had just consumed. That's my personal opinion. Either way, it doesn't matter. The question is this. The Lord asked him the question three times, do you love me? But the very fact that he asked about it in verse 10 that said, bring of the fishes which you have now caught, God had done called him to be fishers of men. So he recalled Peter's failures. See, here's why. God uses things in our lives to quicken our conscience. 
For you, it might be a song. For you, it might be something that you're walking down the road or you're, you're driving down in the road and you might get a quick glimpse of something and that brings back something to your mind that you're ashamed of or you struggled with. You should not give victory to the devil and say, well, and let him get on your back. You ought to look at that failure and let God use that to quicken your conscience to realize those failures do not have to define you. God uses things in our lives to quicken our conscience. You know why? Because we so many times ignore it. Now, God never harps on our failures. But I found out as I was studying this passage of Scripture, I believe the Lord Jesus had a perfect purpose for Peter, and we know that he did. But he first had to get him to quicken his conscience to realize the life he was living is not what he should be living. And I want everyone to listen to me very, very well. And I'm going to say this. If you are a Christian, you know the Lord Jesus Christ, and you know that he saved you. you I'm going to be honest with you. Ain't none of us need a preacher. We all know when we ain't living right. We all know when we ain't thinking right. We all know when we ain't doing right. And the Lord Jesus is always trying to bring something up in our path just so we can be quickened in our conscience for him to remind us of our failures so we will stop making them. Peter's never the same after this night. I believe you recalled Peter's failure, but I want you to notice he rekindled Peter's fervor. It was a matter of love. <laughs> I mean, look, and that's what everything is. Everything's a matter of love. You know what I've learned? People do what they want because they love what they do. It's a matter of love. Everything is. Christianity is a matter of love. It's not a duty. I'm sorry, I'm so saddened by so many people, they live the Christian life like it's a bunch of do's and don'ts and a bunch of duty. Like, well, I got to do this, I got to do this, I don't do this, I don't do this. The Christian life's bigger than that. It's a, it should be a matter of love. You should want to because you love your Savior. We've lived for years. We talked about it just this past week. We missed the boat back in the 60s and 70s, man. We, we were professional fault finders. We were always wanting to try to tell people, you can't do this, 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 you can't do this. And we never explained to them why. Amen. Oh, you're a sinner if you do this. Or you, live, or you do this, you do that. Well, you got to stay there from that. But no one ever explained to a young person why. You're to be separated from the world to the Lord because you love Him. See, the, the Christian life is a matter of love. You, you love people, you want to hurt, or you want to help them, you want to love them. You love the Lord, you want to be faithful to Him. If you love somebody, you want to be faithful to them. If you love them, you don't want them to be hurt. If you love them, you want to please them. Everything's a matter of love. The Christian life is about love. The matter of love. It's a brother, he's talking about brotherly love here or agape love here. And we understand, we look and play on these words, we understand it was a matter of love for Peter. Because the Lord asked him, he got right to the quick. Lovest thou me? Lovest thou me? Lovest thou me? And Peter answered in every case, yes, Lord, you know I love you. But he was not talking about the love that the Lord Jesus wanted him to love. There's a difference between phileo love, that's a brotherly love. There's a difference between agape love, which is a godly love. Now here's what's amazing to me and what I understand about this. Peter's problem was love, but here it is. It wasn't that he didn't love the Lord. He did. You know what needed to happen? 
It just needed to be rekindled. Now, stay with me just a moment. I don't think Miss Carolyn and Mason Jones will mind this. But my in-laws just moved. Never thought they would. They've lived in Hinton, West Virginia all their life. They moved to the big metropolitan area of Princeton, West Virginia. They have three stoplights. Amen. And they moved. And uh, never dreamed. They're in, they're, Mason's in his 80s. And so Laura's concerned for them. Are, are they really happy over there? Because they moved from their home. That's all they knew. And they moved. And so one of the things Laura just said before she left. She said, Dad, just be honest with me. What do you like about this better than your house? What do you miss from your house? And Mason looked at her and said, ain't nothing I miss. He said, we're happy here. And then before she left, her mother even went a little step farther. And she said, Laura, I just want to tell you. She said, me and your dad, we're like on our honeymoon again. At 80 years of age. Go figure that. Woo! Have they always loved one another? Sure. Have they always probably been in a honeymoon stage? Sure. But you know what happened? Something rekindled it. And you know what every one of our problems here tonight is? It's not that you've fallen out of love with Jesus. You love Him. The problem is we've just not rekindled it like it should be. It needs to be rekindled. By the way, you ought to keep the spark and the honey in the honeymoon. You ought to keep the fire in the, in the matrimony. Amen? You ought to rekindle things. You let stuff, what everything tends to do is die. What everything tends to do is to get cold. What everything tends to do is to dry up. And so you got to rekindle that. You got to stir it up. You got to shake it up. And here's how loving our God is. When we're too lazy to stir it up, a lot of times God will bring things into our lives. He'll stir it up. And that's what he did with Peter. He stirred it up. One that, that Peter had fallen out of love with Jesus. His love had just gone cold. And the Lord said, I'm going to stir it up tonight. And boy, did he. Peter's problem was his love was gone cold. But it needed to be rekindled. And listen to me. Some of us get more excited about everything else this world has to offer. And we no longer get excited about the things of God. And I want to say to you tonight, the Lord is in the business of restirring and rekindling your fire for Him. What's it going to take? What's it going to take? Will it take something like I preached this morning? Normally that's what it takes. Normally it takes a valley. Normally it takes a heartbreak. Normally it takes some type of disappointment that God makes a divine appointment. I'm going to tell you all right now, Peter wasn't enjoying tonight. The Lord Jesus was getting real with him. I mean, he was getting down the nitty gritty. It wasn't something, ooh, we get to go to meeting tonight. Man, there was some conviction going on here. See, the Lord was trying to rekindle Peter's fervor. And listen, we need our fire. We need our fervor rekindled. Would y'all agree? You say, oh, pastor, I've not fell out of love with the Lord. Oh, I'm not saying that, but I'm wondering how hot you are for him. 
I really ask, how hot are you for? How, how excited are you? How, how you know, I, I think we've got a, a young couple here that haven't been married long. And no doubt they're probably in the honeymoon stage and that's great. But to be truthfully honest, every married couple here ought to be in the honeymoon stage. But I'm going to promise you this, even if we're not in the honeymoon stage in our marriage, we should be in the honeymoon stage in our Christian life. How many of y'all been saved for over 30 years? Would you raise your hand? You ought to be more on fire for God than you've ever been. You know why? Because you've been through a whole lot more than you was when you first got saved. And you know how good he is. And you ought to be letting him rekindle your fire and say, oh Lord, I love you more today than I've ever loved you. We get this idea in our mind. Well, I tell you what now, Pastor, I done gotten old and everything. I just ain't got it in me anymore. All right, well, you might not have it in you, but I can tell you right now, you can pray more fervently. Why rekindle Peter's fervor this night? He's never the same. I'm telling you right now, he, he's never the same after this night. Next time you see Peter, man, watch out. He ain't the same. He ain't the same man after this night. So God did his work well. And by the way, he'll do his work well in you if you let him. He recalled Peter's failure. He rekindled Peter's fervor. But I want to say this as I close tonight. He reshaped Peter's future. He reshaped it. <laughs> Look here. Can I, can I give everybody a word of encouragement? I don't care what you've done in your past. I don't care how dirty you've been. I don't care how low you've gone. Listen to me. There ain't nothing that you've done that God can't reshape. Amen. There's a young man. I'm not going to call his name. Most of you would know him. If I did, there was a young man. He, started, he was coming to this church for years. We worked with him for years. I, I went over to the high school with him on several occasions. I met with his grandparents and the teachers. And I met with him personally here many, many hours. And there's other people in this church that love this young man. And I, I'm going to be honest with you. One day he was thrown out of a car, laying in a ditch up here. Never thought he would live. I mean, he was so strung out on things. He was homeless. I mean, I could tell you story after story after story after story about this young man. I would go pick him up for church, bring him here. Two days later, he couldn't find him. I want you to know something lived a rough life very young boy and i want you to know something i'll be honest with you everybody that knew him including his grandparents said hey there ain't nothing gonna ever amount to this boy he's gonna be a problem i thank god at the funeral the other day i ran into his grandparents this very same young man, and by the way, the Hortons know him very well, love him, and have tried to help him. But this very same young man is now down in Florida. He's been down there for quite some time. He's off of drugs. He's not living the same kind of life. And he's doing so well, the very ministry that he's in, they've asked him to be a leader with other young men because God has changed his life. You say, oh, Pastor, you don't understand, though. I'm far farther gone than he is. No, you aren't. See, when God does it, He does it right. He will reshape your future. And I can promise you this. He will make you something that you never dreamed of being. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what Peter did. The Lord didn't care what Peter did. Christ reshaped his future. And I want you to know, he'll reshape your future. Listen, we have people in our own family. They, dear God, what else has to happen to this man? Just like I read this morning, my expectation has to be in the Lord. It can never be in people because we'll always be disappointed.
Maybe tonight there's someone here tonight. You say, Pastor, my, my future needs reshaped. Well, maybe you need to get saved. I don't know. I don't know your heart. You say, Lord, I need my future reshaped. Well, the best way to get your future reshaped is to know the Lord Jesus Christ, your Savior. But I'm going to tell you what happened with Peter. I'm going to tell you what he did after the Lord said, what is this to thee? <laughs> he, he shut up and he followed him. You know what that takes? Here it is. Y'all ready? Surrender. And you know what? That's the toughest thing. We don't like doing that. Oh, we'll go so far, but we ain't going to surrender at all. But see, we'll never have the Lord reshape our future until we're willing to let him reshape it. He surrendered. Maybe here tonight you say, well, pastor, I'm saved and everything, but I'm not really interested in him reshaping my future. Well, I promise you this. You're only getting a half of what you could have. Every Christian here ought to be interested in God using them in a very special way. And all of us should be surrendered to follow him. Where he leads me, I will follow where he leads me, I will follow. I'll go with him, with him, all the way. I wonder how many Christians sing that song and lie right in church. Boy, this was different this night, man. Peter said, I'm done with this old life. I'm done with this. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm giving everything I got to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you right now, he was never the same. You know why? His future was bright. His future was so bright, I believe when he preached Pentecost, he had shades on. Y'all ever heard that old song? My future's so bright, I have to wear shades. Listen, Peter's future was bright. You know why? I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell y'all right now. Y'all know why. Acts chapter 2. I'm going to tell y'all right now. You're talking about a man of God getting up, mounting a pulpit. And I mean flat out letting it just rip. I mean preaching, I mean flattened, snorting, ripping, maybe he even got to hacking a little bit. I mean, he got after it, and I'm going to tell you what happened. The Holy Spirit got so thick in there, people, thousands of people got saved. I'm telling you right now, he, listen to me, church, he was never the same. Because after you see this meal with the Lord Jesus Christ, when you see him again in Acts chapter 2, he is an instrument of God. And from that point on, God used him in a very special way. And I want you to know, so can your future be bright. I look at all these young people. <laughs> you know. I loved football. I don't watch pro football anymore. The only thing I watch anymore is college football. That's it. I don't watch none of it. I'd rather... And y'all can like what you want, but that NBA, that stuff's done turned so bad. Look here. Ain't none of them any heroes. Amen. I'm going to tell y'all that right now. If, you're, if your son's got heroes as NBA players, they need to find them some better ones. Amen. I'm going to tell y'all that right now. I mean, I was back in the day with Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, and all them. Now we got these people protesting the very country that's giving them freedom to make millions of dollars. Look, I, I, I don't like everything America is, but I'm going to tell you all right now, I'm glad to be an American. But I'm just going to tell you, when I was a boy, I was just like them. I'm going to tell you all right now, I know I've told you all this. 
I was a Washington Redskins fan. I'm going to tell you all right, I like the Hogs. That was the offensive line. Big Joe Jacoby. Mark Schlereth. Russ Grimm. I mean, you got a name like Russ, Russ Grimm, man. I mean, that's just a name. I just, that just made him tough because he had a tough name, Russ Grimm. Y'all know who I'm talking about. The Hogs, Washington Redskins. And then, don't even get me started on the wide receivers, man, because Art Monk, Gary Clark, downtown Charlie Brown, Joe Theismann with the one little ring like a punter. Some of y'all are too young, but you get on YouTube and look them up. One of the best football teams ever played, Joe Theismann, the quarterback. And I'm going to tell you, right, my dad and I, we watch his games. And I'm going to be honest, I go to sleep at night and I dreamed my name. I, I was, But, you know, I couldn't run like Gary Clark or Art Monk or downtown Charlie Brown. But I thought I was going to be the, the, ver, the best version of them I could be. And when I was a boy, I said, man, that is what I want to be. I want to be the football. I want to be, I want to see, and touchdown, downtown Mark Brown. And I just knew I was going to be the next Washington Redskins star. I mean, I just knew it. I dreamed of it. I talked about it. I didn't miss a Monday night football game where they were on, man. I mean, it was the sky. I about cried when, when Lawrence Taylor broke Joe Theismann's leg and he can never play again. Y'all remember that? Man, I was a Washington Redskins fan through and through. And man, I thought I was going to be the star. But I've learned something. I'm kind of glad what he's done with me. I ain't much. But I'm glad there was a God in heaven that got a hold of my attention when I was 21 years of age and showed me there was a whole lot more than the popularity of this world. And I'm going to tell you what he did. He reshaped my future. No, I ain't much. But I'm going to tell you what, when we put our lives and our hands in the Lord Jesus Christ, he will do so much more with us than we ever dreamed that he would do. So I pray tonight after this message, we'll allow the Lord to work in our hearts that we'll never be the same. Never be the same. Maybe you've got some failures in your life. Well, don't let the devil have just free reign on that. Because, you know, the devil, he'll kick you down. Oh, look at you. Look at you. Look what you do. No, no, no. God recalls them because he wants to reshape you. We've all made mistakes. By the way, we've all got skeletons in our closet. Everybody here. How many of y'all don't have one? I'd like for y'all to sign my Bible. Let's just get real. But see, if you're not careful, the devil will use that thing on you. Make you stay defeated. God don't want you to stay defeated. He brings those things up so you can rekindle your fire. Because he wants to use you in a great way. And you know what? He will only use you. He will use you greater. By the way, God will use you in people's lives that he will never use me. But we have to be surrendered. Never <clears throat> the same. <clears throat> Can I ask y'all a question? Y'all be honest. You don't have to raise your hand. I want you to think about it. How many of y'all have been haunted by some of the mistakes y'all have made? Don't, don't say anything out loud. But just in your mind. You know what I'm talking about? And the devil likes to jump on you and say, ah, you can't do nothing for God because look what you did. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all need to get that settled tonight. You need to quit letting that failure define you. And you need to say, the Lord's brought that up to help me to recover from that and to do and to change my life because of that. Not to stay defeated by that.
And at the same time, he wants to rekindle your fire. Maybe your love's grown a little cold for the Lord. Maybe you're not as excited as you should be. God wants to rekindle your fire, rekindle your fervor, rekindle your love. It's not that you've fallen out of love with the Lord, but maybe it just needs to be refired. Because here's what's a blessing. He wants to reshape your future. I'm telling you right now, your future's bright if you'll surrender to the Lord. How many of y'all believe that? Can I ask every mom and dad here tonight, how many of y'all believe that about your children? It will change the way you train them and raise them. It's not so much important what the world thinks. What does the Lord think? What's the Lord want? So let's stand on our feet tonight. Now listen, conviction is a powerful thing. <clears throat> Don't be scared of conviction, because I would be scared if I never knew what conviction was. Because if you're not convicted, you're not one of His. So we don't need to be afraid of conviction. We need to allow the Lord to have His work in our life through conviction. So if something tonight has rung your bell, then just answer it. Say, Lord, I need your help. Whatever it might be. Maybe you've not been surrendered. Tonight's a good night to surrender. Maybe you've allowed your failures to define you. Maybe you've allowed your failures to the devil to use those to keep you defeated. Well, tonight's the night. That all changes. Never the same. Claim God's victory. And let Him use you for glory. Listen to me, church. If there's ever a time that people need to see Jesus, it's now. They need to see a people here in this church that has something real. And we do. Let's ask God to help us. With our head bowed and eyes closed tonight, I'm just going to cut right to it. How many of you know the Lord Jesus Christ has spoke to you by the way of the Holy Spirit in some way, shape, or form tonight? And you're not ashamed of it. You shouldn't be if the Lord spoke to you. That's a wonderful thing. How many of you know the Lord spoke to you about something tonight? Would you raise your hand? Can I ask you a question? Would you just come to an old-fashioned altar tonight and give it to the Lord? They're going to begin to play. Would, don't, don't tarry. Just get, get down here and ask the Lord to help you, would you? Make your pew. Let, let's do business with him tonight. He, he spoke to you about something, so we'll do business with him. Never the same. Things should change. Things should change. How many of you feel like you've let failures define you? Then let God help you with it. all made mistakes but it's good to recall them from time to time just to keep us clear I bet you Peter never looked at a, a spark of coal again the same that he did after he denied the Lord there never the same Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight. We want to thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your promises. Lord, we need you. We need you every hour, every minute, every second. We can mess, make a mess of things really, really quick. Lord, I thank you for this true event in the life of Peter. And Lord, he was never the same. You used him in such a mighty way. And then we do know that his death glorified you. His life exalted you. 
And Lord, we know that even from this day till the end of his death, he was still not perfect. Even in your word, you record where he made mistakes. But oh, when we think of Peter, what a mighty influence he was for you. And now hundreds and hundreds of years later, we're still being affected by Peter's life because he was never the same after this night. And Lord, I say to be said about some of us, if not all of us tonight, that we'll never be the same after tonight as we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts and lives. We ask it in Jesus' precious name and all God's people said. God bless you. Hey, we have a great crowd this morning, great crowd tonight. Listen, Sunday school was the biggest it's been in a long, long time. Let's keep it going. We'll see you Wednesday. God bless you.